there are two schools of thought here. Do you bring them back a little bit slower and a little bit lighter and then build up toward the end of the week? Or do you hammer them day one, crush them, and then they're not good for the rest of the week? Go a little bit lighter, bring them back. It's smarter because you're not gonna have injuries and you get the buy-in back. I'm not saying, oh, go super light. I'm saying don't put your foot on their neck day one. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going to the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength and conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA, or internship opportunity, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to their Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow in iron. I am your host, John Mark Raspberry, current straight coach over at Bolivar Central High School. I'm here with Ms. Cotty Feldman, uh, Tennessee NHSCA State Director and Head Straight Condition Coach over at Father Ryan High School. Uh, gave a little bit of introduction to her, but I'm going to let her go ahead and introduce herself as well. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Um, as strength coaches go, you know, you're always in the middle of something. So I apologize. Those of you who don't know, ran a couple of minutes long with baseball. I like to call myself out for accountability. I am Coach Kylie Feldman, and I am the head strength and conditioning coach at Father Ryan High School, also the state director of our National High School Strength Coaches Association. Um, originally from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, moved out to Colorado um, in my late teens. And I did all my schooling out in Colorado. I was a graduate assistant at uh, Colorado University at CU in Boulder. And uh, then I finished my master's at Northern Colorado, went to Air Force Academy, uh, got my undergrad at Colorado State, then I was a college strength coach at um, Air Force Academy, volunteered there for a while for my first full-time gig at Oregon State University at Corvallis. Got to the University of Washington, go Huskies, up in Seattle. And then my last collegiate experience was at Auburn University um, from 2005, excuse me, 2000, 2005. And I also had the honor of working with the US Army Rangers for a couple of years back in Seattle. Awesome. So you kind of been all over the place. Yeah. I mean, from, from New York to Colorado to Washington, now down here to Tennessee. I mean, that's a, that's a quite of a journey there. Coaching is a very nomadic lifestyle. So you got to be prepared when you go into it. Absolutely. So let's get to the first segment here. So this is called Trifacic Tricks and Tips. So this is where you are giving us a, a tip or a trick that you've, 
discover it in your own coaching experience. Okay. Um, we're talking about doing triphasic training or are we talking about just in general? No, it's just a segment. So it's like a trick or a tip. It has, it has nothing to do with trifix. I try to make it funny and try to make it flow. Now you just confused the heck out of me. So I apologize. So just a trick or a tip. Have you got in your own coach experience? Um, well, here's a tip. Make sure you know the segments before you get on it. So my apologies. So if we're going to go with a trip, trick or a tip. Um, Make sure you have good relationships with your athletes and your coaches. Uh, I think relationships are at the heart of all coaching. Um, everybody can figure out X's and O's. You got to know what make your teams tick. You got to know what approaches you can do with not only teams, but then individuals. So I would say it's really about relationships which is at the forefront of any coaching tip. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially dealing with athletes day to day. I mean, I've heard the, cause I'm a teacher. I heard the old saying before, you know, kids don't really learn from people they don't like. So do you think that's something true with coaching? Um, you know, that's kind of a loaded statement. Okay. Cause strength coaching by nature is getting to people to do what they don't want to do. And there's usually fear that's associated with it. So you're putting kids, athletes, in a position that they may fail. They've never tried it. They're afraid of the situation. They're afraid of, you know, the unknown. And so you get a fight or flight. So not all kids are going to like you. You're not there to be liked. You know what I mean? So like in, in my history, I, I mean, I've been cursed at, I mean, you run the gamut of emotions when you get kids backed into a corner, asking them to do what's uncomfortable, right? So there's that, oh, I don't like this. I don't like you for making, I hate you for making me do this. So there's that like uh, push and pull. Um, I, I think the more apt statement is they won't work for you if you don't, they don't, that you don't care about them. So they won't work for you unless they know you care about what you're doing and you care about their well-being. And there's a mutual respect. If they think you don't respect them or, or care about them, then yeah, they're not gonna wanna work for you. They're just not. And that goes for anybody. There's gotta be a level of respect there. Because your statement is, you know, they won't, they won't work if they don't like you or if they hate you, they're not gonna work for you. There has to be a level of respect, but you've got to understand that you've got to meet them where they're at and you've got to show them that you care about them as, as people and as athletes. I 100% agree with that. Um, and we talk about respect a lot, right? We talked about it in teaching. We talk about it in coaching as well. You know, there's got to be a mutual respect. So as a coach, when you come into a new program, because I know you came to Father Ryan not too long ago, four well, years ago. Yeah, yep. I mean, I always hear the, the old saying, you give respect to get respect. I mean, is that something true for coaching now? Oh, well, I think that's life. I, I think that you have to go in. Um, I think the days of, of oh, you got to prove yourself to me before I give you an ounce of respect. 
if you're hired for a position, right, you got to have at least the baseline credentials. Now, if you go in like like a bat out of hell, you know, um, which is I kind of did, because <laughs> um, that's just my nature, kind of Tasmanian devil, if you will. Um, you set up, you set your parameters, you set your expectations, and then you run the show, if that makes sense. You lay out what you expect. You lay out how it's going to go. You lay out what you expect from them and what they can expect from you. You set those ground rules and then you follow up with action to support what you're saying. If I tell you I'm going to do A, B, and C and I only do B, there's going to be confusion. There's, there's going to be, okay, you're not, you're not following up your words with action. And a lot of people see action more than they hear words. So I, I think that you've got to set up expectations and you've got to set parameters and then you got to live up to those parameters. 100%. You know, it's always that, um, like you said, actions speak louder than words. So setting your parameters, A, B, C, D, you're going to do A, B, C, D thing. Yeah. So 100%. Uh, kind of talk about our topics that we talked about uh, not too long ago. So we got about three different topics we're going to be talking about today. One of them is working with close sports programming. And this is such a topic that I've seen time and time again. Well, I'm going to go to my trainer. I'm going to go here. But we got workouts at school. I mean, how do you manage that? Um, I think I managed that well, actually. So when I came in to this school, before, let me, let me step back. Before I came here, I was working in the private sector for a sports training company. And um, I think it's really important that private training companies and the strength coach communicate and work well together. Um, so when I came in here, I knew what some of the private sector was doing with our club sports, AAU and stuff. Um, and I drank the Kool-Aid quite a bit with clubs saying, you know, high school sports is, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, you're only going to get looked at if you go to club. And, and I was mistaken in that. And I have no problem talking about my mistakes because it's helped me help our athletes and be more of an advocate for our athletes. If you make a commitment to high school, you got to be there working for high school. If you make a commitment to club, you got to be doing that. But the coaches can't badmouth each other, and there has to be a symbiotic relationship with them. So when our teams are out of out of season and we're doing off-season work, I try to tell the parents from the get-go, if I'm doing everything what I need to do, they shouldn't need to go outside. Our off-season training program has strength, has conditioning, has agility, has all of our off-season components. Now, soccer club and um, volleyball club, they do workouts too. So I would want the club coach, the club strength coach or the club coach, whoever they're working with, to say, hey, what are you doing in your off-season programs? Let me compliment. So if our goal is for the kids to be 
in condition and working out, if I know our soccer kids are going to go after school and play with their club team, I know they're getting conditioning. So instead of double conditioning them and making them do it with our team and stuff, I've got to be an advocate of the athlete. I can work balance. I can work flexibility. I can work mobility. I could do um, muscle imbalance stuff. I could do other things that will complement our time together. We'll still help them in their sport, albeit volleyball, soccer, AAU basketball, football. We can work on other components. If I know the majority of what they're going to do, conditioning-wise. So I said to our coaches, hey, I'm going to sit them out. Well, at first, they didn't understand why. But if we're looking at, okay, we need to be conditioned, they're getting two hours of conditioning. They're getting an hour and a half. Why do I need to dominate them here? All we're doing is breaking the athlete. So once we explained it, and I have a very good relationship with our club coaches because they've reached out to me or I've reached out to them, our volleyball club coaches, um, they're doing weight training now. So um, we use Team Builder, big shout out to Team Builder. Um, so they take their workouts to their coach and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Our coach would like you to be complimentary and work on other things so we're not doubling up because it's bad enough that the kids probably aren't eating enough, that kids aren't hydrating enough or recovering or sleeping enough. All we're doing is breaking them down. We're going to have some broken athletes. Nobody, you know, gets better for it. So it's kind of a more mature approach to do, right? And there has to be a little ego check at the door. But we as coaches need to advocate for the athletes and put their athlete needs first. We do that, we get our needs met and we get a healthier athlete. And that's all we want at the end of the day is we want healthier athletes. We don't want, you know, athletes that are having that higher increase in potential risk of having injuries. You know, like you're saying, double down the conditioning. I mean, that's talking about scientific. That's a that's more tear and wear on, you know, the athlete's muscles and everything like that. And that's just increasing their exposure to getting injured. And right. if they get injured, I mean, they're going to have to set out their sport. They set out the sport. I mean, that's time away from what they want to do. And that's what, basically all they want to do at the end of the day is play the sport. So, and being so. very, and being very myopic in club sports, when they get injured, they don't have trainers there. So that doubles our trainers loads. You know, so coaches can be very myopic, but there are a lot of other factors that come into this so that we need to be kind of more aware. of. Absolutely. And you've been at the collegiate. I mean, you've been in the private sector. And now you're in the high school realm. I mean, I'm not going to ask what's the difference because we, we, we kind of get a sense of what the difference is. Right. But like, how is it? Uh, how do you manage being in the high school realm differently than being the, in the private sector realm? Because you were talking about using Team Builder. Big shout out to Team Builder. But, I mean, you know, and Team Builder has been really awesome. You know, you can pull up workouts on your phone. They can see, you know, 
athletes can see their workouts even from home or when they're on vacation or whatever. But I mean, they can go to their trainer or uh, their club sport coach, whoever, say, this is what we've done, like you said. Um, but before all that, before even team building was a big thing, I mean, how did you do it as a private sector coach with these club sports and working with their high school, maybe middle school um, programs? Sure. So, I mean, I have been blessed. I actually worked with the Nashville Cats pro football team um, as well. So I have been at each level and I can tell you that for me personally, the best level has is high school because I can teach the foundation and I can set their foundation of athletic progress and their training ages to where they can um, sustain collegiate athletics and you know if they wanted to go to the pro. The difference being at the high school level, you've got puberty and you've got changing bodies and tendons and growth spurts and and Osgood slaughters and sievers and you've got all these, you know, their sophomore year, they're awkward. You know, they all we all think about baby giraffes. Well, I've got some that look like day born baby giraffes. And six months later, they go through another growth spurt. And they're back to being uncoordinated and tripping upstairs. You got kids with size 11 feet, short torsos, long legs, big feet, tripping all over themselves, can't tie a shoe, can't figure out their right from their left. We all know that, right? By the time they're 18, growth plates have closed for the most part. Um, they can put on strength better. Their body is settled. Then you get to the pro and now you got the wear and tear of their whole life. So yeah, you want to build um, and, and maintain. And so each is a building block upon themselves, you know, and mentality wise, you train them right from a young age. You train your mind and the body will follow. I learned that very heavily from the US Army Rangers. You know, you get that mental toughness going and you tell your body it can do something, your muscles are pulleys. It's like a pulley system. Your mind is like, you know, the, the motherboard computer. You train that mind and, and you train your body in the right way with the right form and good technique. And you build that foundation step by step, brick by brick. You have a very solid career ahead of you. Now the problem comes where and Twitter is a blaze of this right now. You have the IG bro lifting culture for Instagram and the workout of the day. I'm not gonna bash on anybody. I'm not bashing on personal trainers, not bashing on CrossFitters, I'm not bashing on, you know, people who read a book, take a test and hang out a shingle and say they're a coach. Just because it works for your body doesn't mean it's gonna work for everybody. And I'm a big proponent of the science and health background that a lot of coaches do not possess. So there's a lot more crap content out there. And when you're in the private sector and you're about getting people in the door and you're about the bells and whistles and getting people in the door, what goes away is the basis and foundation of lifting. We try to make things so complicated. 
We try to do the latest things and half of these kids don't have a foundation. And so, you know, I was young once. I used to, you know, the piss and vinegar of making a kid throw up and showing them who's boss and dominating them and they're crawling out of the workouts. And that's the only way you know if you got a good workout is that they're crawling in there throwing up. It's not the way. I mean, and, and I really want to address this and this might be slightly off topic, but it's not. Kids don't eat before workouts. They eat piss poorly prior to workouts. If a kid throws up during your workout, it's because, and it's because they didn't eat right. They weren't hydrated enough. They ate crappy right before a workout. That's one thing. But when you work those kids to the brink of losing consciousness and they're all throwing up, that's a problem. That's not building mental toughness anymore. That's a recipe for abdo, in my opinion. And I've seen both sides of it. So I've seen in the, getting back to our point, circling back, because I think it's all correlated, that there's not enough of a foundation in, in the private sector somewhat that let's just do the latest thing. Let's balance on a ball suit ball while pressing up while getting a ball thrown at you and ducking, right? Or, I mean, I, I've seen that. I mean, that, that's not very conducive to a good foundation. What are we really trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about that piece about mental toughness. I mean, we've seen it time and time again that coaches go through a grilling workout and we say, well, we got this trash cans lined up just to make sure that they you know, throw up and stuff like that. And I mean, I see both ends of the spectrum. One, if your kids are motivated enough to believe that, I mean, yeah, they're going to they're gonna believe what the coach tell them. I mean, if you're that passionate about having this grueling workout and this is a part of the season that we are just going to get after it, I mean, if it motivates your team, that's, I mean, you get a little bit buy-in. But Looking at it from a strength coach perspective, right? They're sitting there, they're hurling, chunking, throwing chunks up. One, yes, because athletes, high school athletes particularly, are not um, health conscious, right? They're, they're 14 to 18 year olds that their bodies still work on McDonald's and bang energy drinks. Um, but at the same time, like, that potential for them to grow, even with, if they had like a proper diet, right? Some, you know, caloric intakes are all there, proteins on there. The potential for them is higher, but them having that poor diet for them, and then they're out doing this grueling workout, and then they're throwing up chunks. I mean, from a strength coach perspective, they're not really getting anything out of it. Again, it's mentality-wise. If I go into my workout saying, yeah, it's going to be hard, you know, it's going to be grueling, we're going to be crawling out the door, I think everybody needs that. I love a good, hard workout. I do. I slobber at the thought that our kids are just going to get after it, and it's going to be tough, and they're just going to be, you know, taking a minute or two to 
thank Jesus and, you know, that they got through it and all, that's great. But if I go in with the mentality that I'm going to crush them, I want no less than 10% or 15% of my kids throwing up and I can pat myself on the back, you're not doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just think about, I mean, there's a time and place for everything, right? I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I chomp at the bed to have a hard workout, even, you know, doing my regular routine, like having just a good hard workout, yeah. give, give them a moment to like kind of take in. It's like, all right, we, we've done something hard and that's what we're, that's part of our job. I mean, we got to put, we got to push them to their potential. And sometimes it does take a grueling workout. It may take a couple grueling workouts to get that set in. But you actually let's go nutty here. Yeah. But there's also a time and place for everything, right? I would say like more grueling workouts are probably that off season time. You know, here's the foundation. Here's my standards. We're going to get through this first couple of weeks, which by the way, you know, if you're coming back for Christmas break, they have ate like crap the entire two weeks or three weeks, however long they were off. They're coming back and yeah, they're going to be a little bit sluggish. Let's get into this. If you know they haven't done anything in two weeks, right? Do you, there are two schools of thought here. Do you bring them back a little bit slower and a little bit lighter and then build up toward the end of the week, right? Or do you hammer them day one, crush them, and then they're not good for the rest of the week? When I was younger, right, I used to be, because we all used to be somewhere. Make sure you do something on, on, on during break. Make sure you're doing something on break. You know when we come back, we're hitting it hard. Your own fault if you crush right when we get back. But again, you got to think. Logically, two-thirds of these kids aren't doing it. So do a finisher. Your main list, go a little bit lighter. Bring them back. It's smarter because you're not going to have injuries and you get the buy-in back. I'm not saying, oh, go super light. and I'm not saying that at all, so don't read into that. I'm saying don't put your foot on their neck day one because the rest of the week they're going to be crap. But if, if you step back a little bit, you build up by Thursday, Friday, they're back in the swing of things. Mentally, physically, they're good. There are, there are a lot of better ways. I mean, you got to understand where kids are coming from, too. I mean, some of them, I guess where I work, uh, Title I school, most of the families are at the property line or below. I mean, you got to understand that they probably are not getting nutrients at home. They're probably not having access to a gym, a trainer, you know, exit or external resources rather than what's at the school. So uh, next topic we got going on is modifying for different scenarios, modifying, I guess, for different scenarios inside athletics, injuries, um, working with sports clubs like that. Let's start with injuries. So how do you modify an athlete with an injury? Let's just say like they blew their hamstring out sure. playing soccer playing soccer or something like that. I mean, how do you modify the workouts? So for starters, part of the parameters that we were talking about at the very beginning 
you know, there's only a few reasons why you shouldn't be in a weight room. Dead, coma, maybe antibiotics for the first 24 to 48 hours. Um, but if you're injured, if you got, you know, one bad wing, I've got a good wing, you got your lower body, you got your core, you got your back, you know, we modify, we have a great training staff. We work very closely with them. Um, so, you know, like your example, they blow a hamstring, um, they go to the trainer, they go to the doctor, they get their, their eval, they tell us what we're allowed to do, and then I program accordingly. Um, if I've got a lower back injury, you know, we, we listen very closely to the doctor. You know, if I can do some light spine neutral stuff, then I will. Um, but the trainers give me my parameters and then I go uh, program accordingly. And then, um, you know, the reconditioning aspect of it, uh, once they're cleared with the training room, we do, you know, a progressive overload and slowly get them back. Um, I do a lot of non-dominant work, non-dominant side work anyway. So um, once they're cleared, we we obviously progress them slowly back to 100%. But I have a whiteboard that I'll do modifications. If I have my freshman in with my upperclassmen, I'll have modifications on Team Builder. I'll have a different workout for them. Um, do a lot of dumbbell work. If I've got lower body, I can do upper body. If I got an upper body injury, I can do lower body. So there's really no reason why. And then like if we're in a class and I got a kid because we are also blessed at Father Ryan that we have weight training classes during the day where all of our sports have different classes together and we form new teams within our class structures. So if there's a reason that they can't work out, then they write a paper for me in regards to strength and conditioning. Um, they either research their injury and um, how they you know, fix it or um, their sport. So if they can't do anything because of doctor's orders, and I kind of always wonder about that when, you know, if they're on crutches, I get like the first week and stuff, but there are a couple of doctors out there, not really ours, but I've seen a couple of doctors say, okay, no weight training. You broke your arm. Why can't I do a leg press? Why can't I do body weight squats? Unless it's jarring and, and they need to set. Like I get that. There are some, some kids that are like, I can't work out, I'm injured. Oh, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like there's always something we can do. <laughs> At least in my opinion. We got a kid right now, he's got a shoulder injury. And he goes, well, I can't do bench press. I was like, well, you can grab a dumbbell and you can do a single arm press. I mean, there's always something that you can do in, um, in that regards of reconditioning and getting, I guess, still getting stronger, even with your injury as well. Um, other scenarios that might pop up um, in your situation, you know, maybe um, to help your athletes here. What about game day lifting? What's your opinion about that? Game day lifting. I love me some game day lifting. Two, three sets, two reps, get that blood flowing, get that hormone release, 
gets the guys excited, gets the girls excited, gets the hormones released. And I mean, I'm just a big fan. I think it's awesome. Gets the team together, gets some loud music in. Kind of a meathead reaction, but that's just me. So you're saying two or three sets, two or three reps, about 75%, get the blood flowing, endorphins going, all that kind of stuff. Some uh, rotational work, some, you know, core work, some medicine ball throws, just moving. So what's your timing on that? Like, do you do it five hours before game time? Do you do, like, if they got, let's say football, like, seven o'clock game, do you go in at, like? One thirty to one, well, that, it, co- it coincides with our school day. So it'll be about um, three o'clock. About one to three, we'll get in there. Um, there are times where we've lifted right before the game. We'll come in, do about two to three main lifts. We have a brand new uh, football strength coach uh, that came in. He's also our offensive coordinator. And uh, so the examples that I'm using have been the last three years, not this year. Although we did start, you know, getting day lifting also then. Um, but we would take about two to three main lifts, do two to three reps, throw some good box jumps in there and get them out. Yeah, I've always thought about that game day lifting philosophy because um, in my experience, there's coaches that's like, well, I don't want to touch the weights. I don't want them sore before workouts, but at the other side of it, from our, our standpoint of it, it's like, well, if they've been training for a bit, you know, two, three sets for a couple of reps should not make them sore. If they've been consistently new training, they should not be sore. But you can also manipulate the percentages and the intensity and the repetitions that it won't cause that. We do bar. I like bar combos, two or three, like, uh, the hand clean, squat press, you know, good morning, bent over row. It's always a good one to start off with. As a that sounds like it'd be a good time for a game day lift. Love it. Uh, the last topic we're got talking about is advocating for the athletes. So talk to us a little bit about how do you advocate for your athletes? Yeah, I was... I was hired with that understanding that um, that's always been a philosophy for me. And at times it's gotten me in trouble with coaches. Um, I'm pretty, I'm very honest about, you know, the things that, that have gotten me in trouble and the things that, you know, I either regret or I would do differently or that I learn from and all of that. But it comes down to the athlete. When especially at the high school level. This, this, I, when I was hired here, it was, we need to make sure that whatever's going on, our athletes need to be taken care of. Now, when you think about what, the, what a teenager has to deal with, okay? In college, it's different because you're there for your sport. You get, you know, whether you're walk-on scholarship or whatever, got a structured schedule, You've got a lot of, of assistant in pla- insistence in places. You have tutors and you have this and you have that and you have training table and you have, you know, you have people who can help you 
and that are set up for success. The high school level, right? Um, you may have overbearing parents. You may have very uh, little assistance at home, like you were talking about, resources. You may not have a lot of resources to help you succeed. You know, you may not have a lot of food. You may be having, you know, you may have fights with your significant other. You know, you may be failing in school. You may, I mean, teenagers are pretty myopic and selfish. I know I love that word myopic because in this, in this area, at this age, 14 to 18, all you see is what's in front of you. Me, 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 me. So, you know, sometimes you got to kind of roll, rein that in, you know? And from a coach's perspective, you know, I, I am win-loss. I am health of my athletes. I am, you know, whatever my parameters that I get evaluated on and what's important to me. So you've got all these people, all these stressors on top of this kid. This is a 14 to 18 year old kid whose brain isn't strong enough or developed enough to handle multiple facets coming at them. So you've gotta be a safe haven for them. You've gotta be a place where you see them as much as the parents do. You see them, you know, sometimes more than the coaches do. Strength coaches, I revere our profession. I think our profession is the spine and the backbone of all athletics. But with that becomes a huge responsibility to know your kids, to know their moods, to know what makes them tick, and to help them, help them navigate these waters and these stressors. Because we have so much mental health issues right now, and you see it all over. You see the, the suicides in college, and you see you know, adults right now, and, and there's so much turmoil in the world that these kids are getting at every angle. So you've got to be the advocate for them. And if that's the one thing anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, gets, you've got to be there for that kid. You've got to help them navigate those, those waters. They've got to have someone that they can look up to and be inspired by and feel safe with and that can come to. And I'm not saying cross personal boundaries. As a coach, we know where the resources are. We know we've got personal counseling. We know we can go to the training staff. We know we can go to the parents. We know we can go to the coaches. But we've got to be the advocate for that athlete and help them decipher where they need to go, what paths. And that's something that is so valuable. Now, anybody who's been in this profession as long as I have, I have relationships with my athletes, professional relationships, from 1992 till now. I've seen births and deaths and parents and and just letters coming back and, and emails or if I put something out on social media, inevitably I'll get an athlete that's been through one of my gauntlet workouts that was like, man, I hated those days. I, you know, I just got a cold shiver down my spine thinking back to what you put us through. But you gotta be there for them and you gotta help them. And that is the biggest thing I can say. I'm off my soapbox now. No, it's good. It's good, Kylie. I mean, yeah, I mean, we got to be advocates for our athletes because I mean, I've been at schools to where 
professors and teachers gun out for athletes. It's like I'm purposely trying to fail XYZ athlete. I've been there and I've been the target of that sometimes. I mean, and there's some days I've seen kids that struggle in the classroom from other teachers saying, well, no matter what I do, it's never, I'm never going to get better grades in this class, or I feel like I'm never going to, you know, progress in that class because they're gunning out for me. So yes, you know, and I always give this example here, you know, in school, been teaching long enough, about three years, been kind of know a little bit about what goes on in some classrooms. I mean, a kid gets yelled at in school, then gets home, gets yelled at with a parent. And then they come to the weight room and they're probably going to get yelled at. I mean, I mean, at one point, do you give this kid a break? Not, I, like, not give him a break, but have some compassion for him, man. Like, well, you got to talk to them. You got to take them aside and say, hey, look, what's going on? You know what I mean? I, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. What's happening with you? And, you know, some of them will open up and some of them won't. You got to just say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You got to let them know if you need a break or something's going on, I'll work with you. But you got to tell me. I'm not a mind reader. I'm not going to figure this out. But I do want to mention one thing that's not really, really talked about. You better document everything. You better document and keep a record for every conversation and every incident that happens. And if you're going to talk to an athlete, have another coach present. Because things get misconstrued. It's the old age game of telephone. You have to have things. If a coach comes back to you, a parent comes back to you, an administrator comes back to you, you better have it written down. This is what this is the incident. This is what happened. This is what I said, because it will come back and bite you in the butt if you don't. That's one thing they taught us in school too, being a teacher. You know, if a kid has a behavioral issue, if they um are slipping from their grades, if they're cussing out, you know, people in class, I mean, you got to document everything. Because if you don't document everything, I mean, there's really no proof that this child or this athlete said what they said. And like you said, it becomes the, the game of telephone at that point. Yeah. And, and again, if, if I have a conversation with a coach, I follow up with an email per our meeting. This is what we discussed. This was the outcome. Parent, this is what we discussed. This is the outcome. And it will benefit you greatly when if something happens because it's in writing Trust absolutely me. absolutely all right so i put out a q and a on twitter about a couple of days ago of people that want to ask you a couple of questions um and you reacted yeah. to one something? yeah we do so uh you reacted to this one already blaine donahoe over a good pasture, I want to ask you who's the who's your favorite strength coach over there? Good pasture. Well, let me think. 
There's only one. Now, I mean, JT Rankin was there before. Is he asking present or before? I'm just kidding. Coach Donahue, Donahue's a great coach. Anybody out there, go see him. He's super smart. He's got a lot of um, great ideas. There are a lot of young coaches out there that, that I am anxious to sit and talk with and, and learn from. I think that, you know, I am old and set in my ways in a certain thing, but you can always learn. I'm big. I'm learning the technology side of stuff that all you young coaches are all about, the VBT and, and you know, got online with Team Builder, which I love. And I do have to give a shout out to Tyler. Tyler, you are a master, and I thank you for all your help. Tyler and Team Builder's customer service is up to gold standards. Um, but yes, Coach Donahoe is an amazing coach. Even when I came to visit you over um, fall break last year, I mean, I talked to him several times, said, you got to go see Miss Kylie Feldman at Father Brian. It's like, you got to. That, that's, a, like, that's like a must. And um, yeah, big shout out to Blaine. Big, big shout out to Blaine. Um, Appreciate you, too. We also got another question here from uh, Missy Mitchell Macbeth. Oh my God. She asked, uh, how is Kylie so cool? Well, as always in being honest, it depends who you ask. I've been in this profession long enough that you're gonna have your detractors and you're gonna have your cheerleaders. Um, I can only say that um, I've been through a lot. I've learned a lot. I've benefited a lot. My mentors, uh, the great Doc Kreese, um, who passed away recently um, in the last year, it, he's um, he was a second dad to me, but he put me through some very heavy trial by fires. Uh, Rick Hughley, another one of my mentors, Alan Hedrick from Air Force. Those three gentlemen uh, put me through my paces and really taught me a lot. There are other coaches out there that, you know, that I worked with that I learned what not to do and what I didn't want to do. And those are just as valuable to me. You know, um, there are coaches who in my past thought that women shouldn't work with men. There are um, interviews that I got because my name looks like a guy's name, Kyle, that I did, shouldn't have gotten. And there were, there were meetings that I got because they thought I was a guy, you know? So um, I think every path is unique. I think my journey is very unique. I've come up against a lot, but I love what I do. I love what we do. I love the magic that our strength coaches. I love everything about our, our profession. And I haven't worked a day since I started back in 1992. So, you know, I think that I've grown up a lot and I think I do a really good job with our athletes. And I think that's pretty evident in the relationships and, and the feedback that I get years later. So that's the only way I can answer that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hearing your story and when I came to visit over at Father Ryan, I mean, 
hearing your story and basically seeing how the magic works for your program and everything like that. I mean, it's very unique and what you have going on at Father Ryan is very, very unique. Okay, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we've got a lot of success in what we're doing. You know, we're we're changing things up and and we're trying new things all the time and and uh, Coach Copley's added a lot and um, you know we we got a really good intensity level we got a good culture here we got a lot of flow and again that's evident by our former athletes wanting to do internships here because we grind we work hard and we get after it there's also time for laughter and and you know some good jersey training as i like to say um i gotta tell you this because you know talking about having a good staff and everything like that um when I came to visit your father, Ryan, came into the athletic facility, I mean, um, didn't really know where things were. Obviously, when you, as I visit, you really don't know where things are because, you know, it's not your school. You, you don't, I just went straight to the athletic facility. Um, Coach White, Coach Darius White met me in that hallway and he's like, hey, you know, can I help you with something? I was like, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Kylie Feldman, you know, trying to, um, Trying to find her, whatnot. He goes, well, she just needs to get here till this time, this time. He said, um, I can point you some kind of direction, or I can go call her, or whatever. I said, okay, you know, whatever. So we started chatting, you know, just kind of chopping it up, whatever. He goes, what's your name again? I said, John Margio Raspberry. He goes, wait, you're Coach Raspberry. It's like, yeah. It's like, do you do the podcast on on the content? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's me. That's me. And uh, he said he listened to, I think, a couple of episodes. One of them was Monty Sparkman, his episode. And I told him, I was like, I got to get Kylie on, you know, for when we come back from season two. And after that visit, it's kind of where that all originated from. I, I knew I had to get you back on there and get you on the episode. So it that was yeah. kind of a fun, kind of fun experience. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it greatly. Absolutely. Uh, last segment we got here. So um, this is what we call a coach's spotlight. So um, this is where we be, we point out someone specifically or highlight someone specifically in the industry that's making the impact right now. So do you have anyone that you want to shout out, shed light on? Coach Brandon Pig's doing a lot right now, John Lovin. Obviously, Mark Hoover. Um, I mean, spotlight, there are many spotlights, you know, Amanda Berg is killing it out in Minnesota. I mean, just no question. Um, another great upcoming young coach is Lexis, Lexis Norwood at Ensworth. She's doing a lot. Um, like I said, Mark Hoover's I love what, you know, he's doing with VBT out there. Uh, Brandon Pig. I love those guys right now. And I've already mentioned Blaine, you know, I think you do a great job too. You know, I think um, those are the handful of coaches that I'm kind of watching right now. Um, somebody who's been in the profession for a really long time that I am inspired by is coach John Hersel. 
Now that's a fiery man right there. Sarah Land Strength. Anybody out there want to see, you know, see how things are done right also? Go see him. He's a fantastic coach. So those are the names I got for you. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned a couple of coaches that I met back at NatCon in uh, Nashville last year, one of them being Brandon Pig. I mean, that dude is – I've said it time and time again. He's been on season one of this. That dude is incredible. Like, gift, just gifted natural talent of just yep. intelligence. Like, he can sit down there and just break down information for you. And it, it, it's crazy. Like, there's something – he had to, like, tell me a couple times for me to understand. Like, boy, he was uh, – it was – Absolutely crazy. He's crazy intelligent. Uh, Blaine's also been a big advocate of everything strong and strength. Obviously, I, I talked to him I, almost weekly. We've kind of gotten less now, but um, during football season, we kind of just chopped up a little bit. He's he's, he's a really good guy. He, and uh, I hope to meet him at NatCon or I guess the uh, the state clinic in February. Yes, please come on. Let's go. I think Tennessee coaches, if you are listening, get to Nashville, February 25th. We have such an amazing lineup of coaches. It's ridiculous. I I posted that uh, graphic of the Tennessee okay. thing on, uh, on the Twitter, and I had a couple DMs from a couple, I think, football high school coaches around the West Tennessee area. It's like, hey, uh, where can I get information on this? And obviously some link kind of direct them to, you know, the NHSCA's website, say, Hey, this is where you sign up and everything like that. But Alabama uh, coaches, Georgia coaches, Nashville's a hot town. Might as well come down, get some knowledge on, and then check out our downtown area. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I saw that lineup and I mean, from Zach and everyone else, I mean, that's, that's an incredible lineup. Zach Fleming, Tennessee State Coach of the Year, Coach Loudon. Uh, so excited to have him at Ezel Harding. Um, he's an amazing coach, too, if anyone wants to get out there. He was a Colorado State uh, Coach of the Year. Those two coaches are great, you know, young minds to, to probe and, and, and to be around. So, um, Coach uh, Tush at the BGA, another great, solid coach. And then you got Lexus who's, like I said earlier, is just, you know, a great coach. So those five coaches are making waves, and I think anybody would benefit highly from hearing anything that they have to say. And uh, Coach JT Rankin, I believe. Yeah. It's going to be talking about conjugate as well. So yes, sir. Uh, very excited to hear from him. Well, Kylie, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you again for agreeing to come on and, uh, just bringing better insight on being the advocate for our athletes and, you know, modifying workouts and uh, just just everything that you brought to the table. It's completely awesome. Thank you for having me. And, and uh, anybody who wants to reach out, you can come visit Open Door. Love talking training, love talking the psychology of it all. Um, and just thanks for having me. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Contra Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Contra Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow our guest, Miss Kylie Feldman, on social media as well. So in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. <laughs>